Hello, and welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Jose Estigarraga, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights, and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Welcome to Reed Smith's podcast series, Arbitral Insights. I'm Lucy Winnington Ingram, an associate in the international arbitration practice based in the London office and focusing on investment treaty arbitration. On the 1st of May 2020, the Secretariat of Ixid and Citral jointly released the first draft of the Code of Conduct for Adjudicators in Investor State Dispute Settlement, or ISDS. In this inaugural episode of Arbitral Insights, I'm going to look at some of the key takeaways from the draft code. The draft code of conduct arises out of the ongoing reform process being undertaken by the UNCITRAL Working Group 3. The report of Working Group 3 on its 38th session in October 2019 notes that general support was expressed for developing a code of conduct for ISDS tribunal members. It was explicitly recognised that Code of Conduct could address a number of the concerns identified by the working group, but most importantly, the real or perceived lack of independence and impartiality of ISDS tribunal members, an issue which has given rise to significant criticism about the legitimacy of the ISDS system. The draft Code of Conduct is notable in a number of key respects. First, the Code applies to all adjudicators. This very broad term, which would apply to anyone exercising an adjudicatory function, such as tribunal members, annulment or other appeal committee members, judges in permanent bodies, or even future investment court judges, is in keeping with the objective that the Code of Conduct should provide for a uniform approach across ISDS and have universal application. Secondly, The Code sets out a proposal for extensive disclosure obligations for adjudicators. Article 5 of the Code, entitled Conflicts of Interest Disclosure Obligations, provides for mandatory disclosure of professional, business and other significant relationships with the parties, the parties' counsel, any present or past adjudicators or experts in the proceedings, and any third party with a direct or indirect financial interest in the outcome of the proceedings. The latter would accordingly capture any relationships with third-party funders. Article 5 also includes optional additions in square brackets to be considered for inclusion in the final version of the Code. Article 5 also includes optional additions in square brackets to be considered for inclusion in the final version of the Code. For example, it includes an extension of the obligation to disclose any professional business and other significant relationships with the parties, to include any such relationships with the parties' subsidiaries, parent companies or related agencies. The temporal scope of these obligations is also to be confirmed. At present, the draft provides that any relationships occurring within the past five years should be disclosed. Interestingly, the draft code also calls for the disclosure of all ISDS which the adjudicator has been, or is currently involved, as counsel, arbitrator, annulment committee member or expert. 
This is optionally extended to any involvement in non-ISDS arbitration and any conciliator and mediator roles. This provision serves to address two key criticisms of the ISDS system, issue conflict and repeat appointments. Issue conflict refers to the concern that an arbitrator may hold an entrenched opinion expressed by way of previous statements on key issues in the dispute, thus compromising his or her ability to consider the issue impartially on the facts and without prejudgment. It is said to arise out of double hatting, which is the practice of reprising roles of arbitrator, counsel and expert witness across different ISDS cases. Commentators have noted that double hatting, whilst relatively rare, is practiced by a highly visible and powerful core of actors in the ISDS community. Double hatting has also been criticised by some for creating a risk that arbitrators will favour lawyers who they themselves are likely to appear before in the future. As to the second criticism, repeat appointments, challenges to adjudicators based on repeat appointments have a long history in ISDS. And there is an increasingly common perception that an adjudicator who is repeatedly appointed by the same party may develop a conscious or unconscious bias in their favour. The obligation to disclose repeat appointments will not be enough to quell these concerns, but, if followed, it should enable a party to undertake a full assessment as to whether the relationship gives rise to an appearance of dependence or partiality. As noted in the commentary to the draft code, Ensuring that all parties receive the same information helps to level the playing field in this regard. This provision could also have a welcome side effect of encouraging any applications for disqualification early in the proceedings, so as to prevent proceedings from stalling once properly underway, whilst late challenges based on newly discovered information are decided. It should be noted that the commentary to the draft code explicitly states that the issue of repeat appointments is not the primary focus of Article 5. Rather, this issue comes into play only as a way to avoid possible conflicts of interest. This is in keeping with ISDS arbitrator challenge jurisprudence, which has consistently held that the mere fact of repeat appointments will not by itself meet the threshold for establishing an appearance of a pet dependence or bias. This is in keeping with ISDS arbitrator challenge jurisprudence, which has consistently held that the mere fact of repeat appointments will not by itself meet the threshold for establishing an appearance of dependence or bias. Something more will always be required. The third key feature of the draft code, and perhaps the most controversial, is the proposed prohibition against double-hatting in certain circumstances. Article 6 which is entitled Limit on Multiple Roles, provides that adjudicators shall refrain from acting as counsel, expert witness, judge, agent, or in any other relevant role at the same time as they are acting on matters that involve the same parties. There are various options in square brackets which further elevate this prohibition. For example, by extending the scope beyond the same parties, to the same facts and or the same treaty. In the alternative, Article 6 includes wording that would stop short of a prohibition in favour of disclosure of any multiple roles. The proposed prohibition against double hatting reflects the recent move towards the inclusion of similar or even more expansive 
prohibitions in some of the newer model BITs. For example, the Dutch model BIT includes an outright ban on the practice. One of the criticisms of this proposal is that it may serve to limit the pool of female arbitrators who must continue to practice as counsel unless and until they receive sufficient appointments to make full-time service as arbitrators economically feasible. This is reinforced by the 2019 ICSID annual report, which shows that 31% of female appointments in ICSID arbitrations were first-time appointees. To briefly touch on two further provisions in the draft code. Article 8 of the draft code includes welcome rules on arbitrator availability and efficiency, emphasising the importance of punctuality and expeditious proceedings. This follows significant criticism of the length of ISDS proceedings and the resulting impact on costs. Article 12 sets out the mechanism for enforcement of the code. The minutes of Working Group 3 note that it was generally felt that the code should be binding and mandatory. However, it is self-evident that ensuring compliance will give rise to numerous practical difficulties. Article 12 accordingly starts by requiring voluntary compliance with the draft code. In terms of sanctions for non-compliance, it then underlines that the applicable rules related to the removal or challenge of arbitrators, which are separate and different for each institution, will continue to apply. This would allow alleged violations of the code to be raised in the context of challenge and removal procedures. Additional sanctions were also mentioned at the 38th session of the UNCITRAL Working Group 3. These include sanctions linked to remuneration, disciplinary measures, reputational sanctions and notifications to professional associations. However, all of these have been deemed difficult to implement at this stage. The next steps will be interstate discussion on the various options set out in the draft code. It remains to be seen what the next iteration will look like, but the mood for reform of the ISDS system is strong. So it is widely hoped that any final version will go some way towards addressing some of the more keenly felt criticisms. Thank you for listening to this inaugural episode of Arbitral Insights. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we hope you will tune in again next time. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email Joseas de Garaga at jia at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. All rights reserved.